It was the team's biggest struggle in 2022, but in 2023, the New Orleans Saints will need to figure out their identity before they hit the field in September. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyat for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints today. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Sports Illustrated's Saints News Network, the fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Head over to fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more today. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're taking a look at three big questions as we do every Monday here throughout the offseason, our biggest questions episode. So I've got three big questions that we're answering today. We're going to take a look at my bold prediction. What is my bold prediction for Jamal Williams? We'll do a few of these throughout the offseason on these Monday episodes as well. I'm going to give you my my big bold prediction for him. Uh, We're going to take a look at whether or not Taysom Hill getting snaps at quarterback is a bad sign for Derek Carr. I'll tell you why it's not. Uh, But first, what will the New Orleans Saints identity be in 2023, particularly over on the offensive side? Because I kind of pondered this and bounced this all around um, you know, in, in my brain and in notes and stuff like that before I started recording today's show. And I was thinking that the identity of this team, the easy way to describe it is that, oh, well, it's a defensive team, right? This is a team that gave up no more than 20 points in each of the last eight games last year. They were top five in EPA per play, DVOA, yards, like all of these other things over the second half of the season. They are a defensively led team. They have a defensive head coach. They have most of their leaders on this team are over on the defensive side. Sorry, most of the veteran leaders on this team are over on the defensive side. Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis, all for instance. Now you add in guys like Colin Saunders, who's a big time locker room guy, Jonathan Abrams, who's a big time locker room guy. So you get a lot of that still happening over on the defensive side. But for the New Orleans Saints, if they want to avoid uh, certain dismay in 2023, much like they started to face in 2022, they're going to need to answer the identity question on offense before they ever even hit the field in 2023. And this was something that we kind of saw over the course of the 2022 season last year, uh, in which they were kind of trying to figure things out in the moment. And then the quarterback change happened. And when the injury to Jameis Winston led to the quarterback change, and then the the, the prolonging of that quarterback change all throughout the season to where they rode, rode out with Andy uh, Dalton, as opposed to going back to Jameis Winston at any point. It, that created an even more sort of need to figure out what their identity the identity was. And so when you're in a situation like that to where you have injuries and changing personnel and a big change at quarterback and all these other things, that's going to impact what you thought your identity might have been at the beginning of the season. But even going into the year, 
what will the Saints' identity be was still a big looming question mark. Now, they have their quarterback in place. They have a healthy offense or are expecting a healthy offense going into training camp. Uh, they have a lot of weapons over on the offensive side. And so we should be able to look at the New Orleans Saints and say their identity is that of a blank team. And here's what I think the New Orleans Saints' identity is going to be in 2023. Unlike what we have seen from them in the recent past, where they've tried to build sort of this run first identity. And I will tell you this right now, every time, any time that a question comes up about this, they will say, run first, run first, run first, because you have to set up, you have to use the run to set up all the other stuff. What we know in the NFL is that a run game does not, not having a run game working during a game does not stop you from being able to use play action, does not stop play action from being effective. Does it make it more effective if your run game is popping? Yes, absolutely. But your play action game can still work. So setting up and using the run to set up the pass is kind of one of these things that we've kind of overblown over time across the NFL, especially in today's NFL, where so much of today's game is pass first. And I think that's what we're going to see the New Orleans Saints be in 2023. I think the Saints will be a pass heavy team in 2023. Look at everything that they've done over the course of the offseason and tell me that they're not telling you and us the same thing. They bring in Derek Carr, then they bring him in because of three big things. You can find this over at um, uh, uh, a 33rd team. Um, uh, Fowler did a fantastic breakdown around Derek Carr, and it's like five minutes. It's super quick how Derek Carr uh, impacts the New Orleans Saints. And some of the, one of the things that he highlighted was his ability to push the ball downfield. He also highlighted his ability to uh, you know, gather completions and 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 score touchdowns in the red zone. Those were two big things among some other highlights that he pulled up. And so when you look at New Orleans, they bring in Derek Carr, the deep, you want to be able to push the ball deep. You want to be able to pass in the red zone. You want to be able to extend drives, all these other things. Okay. You're going to need to pass the ball in order to do most of those things. The next piece is that they focus on bringing back Michael Thomas. And not only do they focus on bringing back Michael Thomas, but they focus on bringing back Michael Thomas in a way that he becomes the hungriest that he's been throughout his entire career on an incentive-heavy deal where he can watch his performance impact his pay, as opposed to being paid because of the performance that's already happened. He now is in a situation to where he has to produce in order to get paid. And that is something I think is good for Michael Thomas. And I think it's good for the New Orleans Saints as well. It's motivating for Michael Thomas. It gives him an opportunity to make sure that the Saints have what they need to continue to build around over on the offensive side. It's also humble enough for him to be able to say, look, I know I've been injured, so I'm willing to do it this way. And it's great for New Orleans because if something happens, it's not like they ended up spending $21 million on a top flight wide receiver that they don't get to use during the season. So I think that that works. But then you can you see the continued investment in Chris Olave, in Rashid Shahid, the massive number of wide receivers that they brought in, and Brian Edwards, and uh, James Washington, Shaq Davis coming in the undrafted free agent market. They add Lynn Bowden, they add Kiki Kuti. Like they do so, they've done so much to continue to build that wide receiver arsenal and see how many options they have there. And they're probably not done, if we're being honest, because they'll continue to tinker with the roster all throughout training camp. The next thing you look at are the tight ends. They re-signed Juwan Johnson, which was a no-brainer. He was a restricted free agent. It's going to be super easy to get him to stick around anyway, but it was still a good move, and it was the right decision by the New Orleans Saints. He's a big-time pass catcher for you at the position. Even though he is developing as a blocker as well, he's a big-time pass catcher for you. Foster Moreau, great pass blocker, okay run blocker, and has been a fantastic pass catching receiver. And what does he have? Chemistry with the quarterback. Same thing with Brian Edwards, one of the wide receivers we mentioned earlier, by the way. The continued investment in Lucas Kroll, the investment in uh, Jesse James. These are all pass catching guys. You ask Taysom Hill, 
Where is something that you think that New Orleans Saints are going to be looking for more and uh, expanding your role a little bit? Pass catching. That was his answer. You look at the running backs, Alvin Kamara, pass catching back. What has been a big focus for Jamal Williams all season? Developing as a pass catcher. What is the big talking point around Kendra Miller? That he can be a pass catcher. They move Kirk Merritt over to the position. He can catch passes. He's a natural wide receiver. Wide receiver is his natural position. You look at Lynn Bowden, who they added. I mentioned him at wide receiver, but he can contribute for you as ru- at running back as well as a pass catcher. So there's lots of different ways you can see the New Orleans Saints telling us right away. They want to be able to throw the ball. And you have to be able to throw the ball in today's NFL. You have to be able to do it. You can't win games just solely based on your run game. You can't do it anymore. You can pulverize a team with the run game and then score points using your passing game, but your passing game has to be there. You can't become one-dimensional just as a running team. You can't do that, especially not the New Orleans Saints. They don't have the offensive line for that. They don't, or or they don't have the offensive line health for that. They don't have the running back for that. They don't have a Derrick Henry type. Jamal Williams could potentially be that guy, but I think, and I think Jamal Williams would do great things this season, but you have so much more in that arsenal that you don't have to be that team. You can be that team that rushes 30, 40% of the time, but that passes 60, 70% of the time and be perfectly happy with that. So I think that the New Orleans Saints, their identity in 2023 is going to be that of a team that looks to pass. Doesn't have to be one that always goes downfield, can still be one that goes short intermediate area, use the short passing game as an extension of the run game, all of that. But I do think that that's what we get from this New Orleans Saints team based upon what we've watched them construct over the course of the offseason. And a big part of what the Saints identity is going to be is how they utilize their playmakers. And one of their biggest playmakers, Taysom Hill, we still expect to get quarterback snaps. And an interesting question came my way. Does Taysom Hill getting quarterback snaps signal something negative about Derek Carr? It doesn't. But let me explain why as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook uh, betting partner of the NFL and our official sportsbook partner here on the Locked on Podcast Network as well. The only place that I trust for anybody to go and put some money down and get in on some of the action. The MLB is in full swing. College World Series, by the time you're watching this, either the Tigers have already won or could be winning the uh, World Series on Monday night. So if you want to get in on any of that, that is available, whether it's Major League Baseball, if the College World Series is still going on, or early odds in the NFL, end of year awards in the NFL, so much for you to check out. You can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. That URL, if you're a first-time customer, is going to get you a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets that comes back to your way if your first bet doesn't win. So check it out today, FanDuel.com slash locked on for that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Big thank you to all the everydayers out there for making the show your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget tomorrow's episode on Tuesday. We're looking at a one of the more under kind of unheralded uh, storylines for the New Orleans Saints again, and I want to focus on the offensive line because we love to talk a lot about the big stars, but none of it can work if the offensive line can't get it together. So we're going to get through that in tomorrow's episode, kind of talk about where some of the weaknesses were last year, trying to, of course, account for injury and things like that and where they can be uh, in 2023. But today I want to take a look at uh, what was an interesting question that came my way um, that look, Taysom Hill getting quarterback snaps, if Derek Carr was so good, 
then why is Taysom Hill getting quarterback snaps? And I, I just thought that was such an interesting question to come my way because it, it is one that kind of uh, just kind of ignores like what Taysom Hill's role actually is. So I thought, okay, well, here's a good opportunity to kind of talk through, well, here's, here's why Taysom Hill getting quarterback snaps is an important factor for Derek Carr in favor of Derek Carr and in favor of the New Orleans Saints offense. Because the, the the question basically kind of implies that Taysom Hill is going to come in to do things that Derek Carr can't do in the passing game, which isn't isn't really necessarily the focus of why you bring a Taysom Hill uh, in. So <clears throat> let's look at what this means. Now, let me be very clear and, and ask and answer this question for you. Does Taysom Hill getting quarterback snaps mean something isn't working with Derek Carr? Absolutely not. That That's not the case at all. It's that the focus is entirely different. You want Derek Carr running zone reads and read options and option runs and things like that? I don't think necessarily you want to do that. And neither does Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been in the NFL for nine years and he has not been asked to do those types of things. He is a quintessential pocket passer, the type of passer that the Saints really like, that the Saints offense was built around. Somebody that can be mobile within the pocket, knows how to step up in the pocket, knows how to move laterally in order to avoid pressure or prolong the time that it takes for pressure to get home and things like that. And so those are the things that you expect to see from Derek Carr and that you will see from Derek Carr. What you're not going to see from Derek Carr, though, is lining up under center and running a QB power or lining up at center and running uh, you know, an outside sort of, or, or lining up at, uh, at full, or, or not under center, but uh, in the shotgun and running a, a QB power or an option to the outside and things like that. Like, you're just not going to see him do those things. So if you want that version of the playbook, which I think at this point, if any NFL team doesn't have some type of game plan or personnel package or whatever that includes those pieces, they're being stubborn. Like you're just simply being stubborn as an NFL offense and you're refusing to update your offense. And the Saints aren't doing that. They want to keep their offense updated, keep it going with what makes sense in today's NFL. And so that's where Taysom Hill comes into play. Taysom Hill becomes the guy that allows you to keep your offense up to speed with the rest of the NFL. What's going to be really interesting about all of that is what happens when Taysom Hill is no longer a New Orleans Saint, when he retires or when he you know, doesn't sign a new contract, whatever it might be, how do the Saints go out and find that element of their offense again? But we can worry about that when that time comes. The purpose of Taysom Hill taking QB snaps is not because you're going to trust Taysom Hill to make a pass that Derek Carr can't make. That's not what this is at all, in the slightest. Derek Carr is somebody that the Saints feel, and a lot of Saints players have said over and over again when we ask them, how do you feel about working with Derek Carr? What are your impressions of Derek Carr? What are your thoughts on Derek Carr? All of them say the same thing. He can make every pass on the field. So if that's the case, we're not sitting here saying, oh, Taysom Hill getting QB snaps is because Taysom Hill can do something in the passing game that Derek Carr can't. It's because Taysom Hill can do something with the Saints offense that Derek Carr can't. Just like Taysom Hill could do something with the Saints offense that Drew Brees couldn't. Just like Taysom Hill could do something with the Saints offense that Jameis Winston couldn't, that Andy Dalton couldn't. And that's why those guys had Taysom Hill rotating in. So if you have Taysom Hill coming in to take snaps for you know, at quarterback when Drew Brees is in the building, there's no way he's not coming in and taking snaps when Derek Carr is in the building. That's just not logical. That just that's not going to happen or not not going to happen rather. And so the 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 purpose of bringing Taysom Hill in is because you want to diversify your offense. You don't necessarily want it to just be 
Derek Carr is under center, he's either handing it off or he's throwing it, right? There's no 11th player when on, on offense when Derek Carr is the quarterback. He's the 11th player in that he passes the ball, he distributes it. He's going to do everything that he does extremely well, extremely well. But making a defense play 11 on 11 football means that your quarterback has to be a runner. And that's where Taysom Hill comes in. Taysom Hill comes in as a means of creating mismatches, as a means of challenging a defense to an 11 on 11 pursuit to where if one guy doesn't account for the right player at the right time, Taysom Hill or the person he gets the ball to is in the end zone. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that Taysom Hill is going to come in on first and 10 as the same season begins and take a snap away from Derek Carr. Although, let's not rule that out either <laughs> because that sounds like something the New Orleans Saints would potentially do just to throw everybody off. Uh, but that, that, the, the nuance absolutely has to, has to be taken in, in, into consideration. And the other piece of it all too is sometimes you're going to create these mismatches by lining up Derek Carr out wide and having Taysom Hill under center. And how, what does that do to a defense? How do they account for everybody that's on the field and everything, especially when they're personnel matching the huddle and they see four and seven in the huddle? The assumption is always going to be that four will be under center and seven will be in line or will be you know in the slot or in the backfield or something like that. And so somebody's got to account for where Taysom Hill is. But when Taysom Hill is under center and Derek Carr is over on the outside, how does that impact the defense's ability to be able to line up? How does that impact them if they have a man uh, man coverage call? How does that impact them if they're keying in on a certain piece of the offense or if their film study told them X, Y, and Z, but the Saints are doing A, B, and C by doing something like that? There, It creates all of those opportunities for you to have both of those players out on the field at the same time, while, of course, the obvious, the logical Taysom Hill is lined up somewhere else while Derek Carr is under center, but it creates that personnel matching issue for the opposing defense. So. You want to be able to create all of those mismatches. And that's where Taysom Hill gives you, I don't want to say a leg up, but gives you something that that Derek Carr, I'm going to say it like this, that Derek Carr can't give you, but also that Derek Carr would never be asked to give you in the first place. Because the things that Derek Carr does, which are plentiful, he does much better than Taysom Hill as a quarterback. But what Taysom Hill can do as a runner at quarterback, Derek Carr can't provide and would never be asked to provide. So that's what the sort of, purpose is with having Taysom Hill come in at quarterback. It doesn't mean that Derek Carr is underperforming. It doesn't mean that Derek Carr has concerns. It doesn't mean that Derek Carr or a bad sign for Derek Carr or that the Saints don't believe in him or, in him or anything like that. You're asking these two quarterbacks to do two entirely different things, and you would never ask Taysom Hill to do the things that Derek Carr can do, and you would never ask Derek Carr to do the things that Taysom Hill could do unless you're really, really trying to just throw a defense uh, for the loop. And even in that case, you're more so doing the former than you'll ever do the latter. Right. So let's not read into the Taysom Hill QB snaps as a negative around Derek Carr. You're just asking Taysom Hill to do the things that you're not going to ask Derek Carr to do, just like you're going to continuously ask Derek Carr to do the things that you wouldn't have Taysom Hill do at quarterback. And that's why Derek Carr is your starting quarterback who will push the ball downfield, who will do all the things that he needs to do as a quarterback and do them extremely well. But when you want a runner, the page turns, the playbook flips, and it goes over to Taysom Hill. That's the point. Coming up next. I have a bold prediction for Jamal Williams in 2023. At least I think it's bold. You'll be able to tell me, though. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's. 
with. Get it, Hood at Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with my bold prediction around Jamal Williams. This is something I want to add to the Monday episodes. We're going to ask kind of these big questions like we've been asking today, but then also take a look at a bold prediction around a player or a position group or around the team to close it out. So if you've got bold predictions, let me know your bold predictions. I'm going to give you my first one for this offseason, and it's simple. Jamal Williams will, will total over 1,500 total yards, combined yards, rushing and receiving in 2023 and score double-digit total touchdowns. Doesn't mean that it's going to be double-digit rushing touchdowns, but I'm giving him double-digit touchdowns both as a rusher and as a receiver, though the vast majority of those will come with him as a rusher. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, Ross, you just spoke last week about how the Saints could have sort of this trio uh, of uh, of an attack at at running back. So how is it that you could select a player like Mark, uh, Mark Ingram, a player like Jamal Williams to rush for over a thousand yards, to, to go for over 1500 total yards in 2023? It's simple. The Saints have done it before. And, and this is where I'm looking at. I'm going back to 2017. Now in 2017, there wasn't a third big time rusher for the New Orleans Saints offense. Adrian Peterson was the third player on the New Orleans Saints rushing yards list. And that was with 81 uh, yards. But Mark Ingram had 1,124, so 1,124 rushing yards, along with 12 rushing touchdowns. He also added 416 uh, passing yards. So he himself in that season, Mark Ingram, topped the 1,500 total yard mark. He had 1,540 total yards. Now that paired with Alvin Kamara, who had 1,554 total yards as well. And that's a little bit more of what I'm thinking about the Saints looking like in 2023. Now, we have to curb Alvin Kamara's numbers because we expect at least the six-game suspension, maybe even more in 2023, depending upon how his trial date goes, which will be, which is currently set for July 31st. We'll see if it actually happens then. And that's where the third running back comes in. That's where a guy like Kendra Miller comes in and contributes because you can expect Alvin Kamara to potentially miss some time. So that's where the third running back still becomes vital and important to the New Orleans Saints. And a potential fourth running back with guys like Kirk Merritt, Eno Benjamin, and others that could potentially be a part of that that back room. So I have uh, Mar- uh, uh, Jamal Williams going over a thousand yards rushing and going over five hundred yards receiving, or over four hundred yards receiving in the two. So I would call it like you know one thousand seventy five rushing yards and then like four hundred and fifty receiving yards, something like that. That that puts him just over the fifteen hundred uh, yards from scrimmage mark. And the reason why I look at it this way is because, okay, we're accounting for some games missed by Alvin Kamara, but we're also accounting for Jamal Williams being the workhorse back, just like he was last year. And just like he was last year with DeAndre Swift, where he was the kind of, uh, you know, the the bully back, the power back, whatever you want to look at, um, but was kind of sharing snaps with another running back that was the versatile piece in, in DeAndre Swift. This isn't new to him. And he still topped 1,000 yards. He had 1,066 rushing yards last season. Now, he only had 73 receiving yards, but I expect that number to tick way up in the New Orleans Saints offense based upon what he's being asked to do. When I asked Joel Thomas uh, a couple of weeks ago about you know the confidence in guys like Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams to become better pass catchers out of the backfield, or not better pass catchers, but perform as pass catchers out of the backfield for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned was like Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray, those guys were not pass catching backs by trait when they showed up in New Orleans. They developed that with them. And Joel Thomas was a big part of that. 
Now, I think you'll see the same thing with guys like Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. And the good thing for the New Orleans Saints is that Jamal Williams has done this before. He's been a receiver out of the backfield for a team before. It's the way that the Green Bay Packers utilize him. You look back at his uh, Green Bay Packers years early on, 2017, 25 catches for 262 yards, 27 for 210 the year after that, 39 for 253 the year after that, 31 for 236 the year after that. And I think that by that being the case, you're looking at the yards per reception hovering anywhere between 6.5 to 10.5. You consider that over the course of 50 plus catches, which is where I think he's going to end up reeling in here in 2023, then all of a sudden he's a 500 yard receiver, a 450 yard receiver, whatever it is that you want to look at. So I do think that Jamal Williams has what it takes to be able to do this. I think the Saints have the volume that will be needed, especially with the way that they're going to utilize things out of the backfield to be able to do that. And they'll have the talent all over the team to be able to do it. The biggest thing is Can Jamal Williams rush for over a thousand yards behind an offensive line that has been shaky over the course of the past couple of seasons? We're going to break that down in tomorrow's episode, but that becomes the biggest question. That almost becomes the biggest sort of roadblock for Jamal Williams in 2023. It's not the roles that he's had before versus the roles that he's going to be asked to have in in New Orleans. It's can the offensive line pave the way? Can Can they get that done? And so I think that like if the offensive line stays healthy and is able to be effective in that way, then all of a sudden you see Jamal Williams easily getting to over a thousand yards. But I, I want to stress that we've seen the New Orleans Saints do this before. And if the idea here is to bring in a Jamal Williams so that he can be the bell cow back, so he can be the power guy, even though he can do more, even though he can do more, but we've seen it in New Orleans before. Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, they were the power backs. They were the between the tackles guys. They were the bell cow guys, but they also got involved in the passing game. So if you're going to be doing that with Jamal Williams in an attempt to open up the game further for Alvin Kamara, so you get back to utilizing him in sort of these change of pace situations, these passing situations, these third down situations, getting him out in space, doing all these things, then all of a sudden, the numbers just kind of add up in terms of where the attempts are going to go. What's the yardage going to look like? What are the defenses that you're playing against? All of that is in favor of Jamal Williams and the New Orleans Saints here in 2023. So I think Jamal Williams totals over 1,500 yards from scrimmage in 2023 and hits double-digit touchdowns, goes over double-digit touchdowns. Uh, And that could mean that he has like 12 rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown, but he got to double digits. That's the biggest thing that I'm looking at. So I am all in on Jamal Williams this year, and I'm also all in on Alvin Kamara for the games that he's available, because there's a chance that... Alvin Kamara misses a ton of games. There's a chance that he misses a few games. There's a chance that he misses no games. We just don't know at this time. So I'm all in on both of these guys once they get out on the field. Similarly for Kendra Miller, I just think that this New Orleans Saints offense has always been so running back friendly when it has the dynamic of the power back and the receiving back, the the pace and the change of pace. When they have that, they have been remarkably successful. And I expect the New Orleans Saints offense to look a little bit different in 2023 than it did in 2009, 2011, 2013. I understand all that, but I don't think that it's going to look so remarkably different that those running backs can't find a way to succeed in the system that allows those running backs to succeed consistently throughout its history. So all in on Jamal Williams, over 1,500 yards from scrimmage and double digit touchdowns in 2023, while Alvin Kamara continues to ball as well for the time that he is available. Uh, again, he went over 700 rushing yards that year when Alvin, uh, when Mark Ingram went over 1,100 rushing yards, and he topped over 800 receiving yards. If he's available for long enough, that's the type of season that you should expect to see from uh, Alvin Kamara, or at least those types of averages where he's impacting the games that he's in.
All right, coming up in tomorrow's episode, y'all, we're going to be taking a look at the offensive line. All of these weapons are super fun. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed, Foster Moreau, Juwan Johnson, Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara, Kendra Miller, everyone, all that's fun. But if the offensive line can't protect Derek Carr, can't pave the way for the running backs, none of it means squat. So how would the New Orleans Saints ensure that that's not the case? We'll break that down in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. I appreciate you as always, y'all, for uh, making Locked on Saints your first listen every day. And a big shout out to all the everydayers out there as well. I also want to give uh, a quick shout out to my homeboy, Walter. Thank you so much for saying hi. And I appreciate y'all as always for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up, living out of families. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.